0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast, In the World, hosted by me, Rick Robinson, and brought to you by Billups. Rick Robinson reporting on the road today from Denver, and our guest is joining us from Raleigh, North Carolina. Today's episode of In the World is titled, Not the Usual Out-of-Home Suspect. And more specifically, we'll we'll take a dive into how a B2B tech brand explored the out-of-home space, why many other tech brands and B2B brands are flocking to out-of-home. This fresh perspective is going to come to us from Jake Saroffman, the CMO at Pendo, a very well-funded and very successful startup, launched in 2013, just got their Series E level funding, they're going global, they provide cloud-based tools for software product teams. Their testimonials on their website speak of delivering incredible insights into user behavior, user sentiment, the ongoing feedback loops, all of it. And in short, they believe product matters, and they're here, their mission is to help others create software that users love. Now, their their messaging approach, their marketing and outreach is very B2B, very much about creating ongoing relationships at high levels, uh, very much at the enterprise level. Now, Jake, who's joining us from Pendo, he's a long-term product and brand guy in the tech sector. He's got 20 years of experience across startups and legacy brands. His efforts are often driven by ROI metrics and you know, there's the inbound, outbound CRM constructs to manage and navigate. He's also a fan of out of home. So let's say hi to our guests. Welcome, Jake. Thank you, Rick. Great to be here. Glad we have you. Now, while Pendo, as I described, doesn't fit the typical profile for brands investing in out-of-home, yet, yet something led you there. I want to ask you, what attracted you to the medium? Well, I guess first I'll tell you a little bit about the why
1: behind um, going into out-of-home advertising. And I think the why primarily revolved around our location. We are headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina, yet the markets we serve and many of our customers are in the Bay Area. So building a brand in that market was really important for us. There's probably few markets uh, where, you know, a relatively contained at-home investment could have the sort of impact we're looking for other than the 101 and and downtown San Francisco, given the concentration of the the sort of profile of of buyers that we're looking to reach and influencers that we're looking to reach. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this was bridging our brand from East Coast to West and, and really trying to tap into a highly concentrated audience of uh, product people and uh, tech savvy obvi- audiences that we wanted to
0: reach and influence. So it, it sounds like what you were looking for is to create some sort of sense of, I don't want to call it brick and mortar, but a physical visceral presence. Sure. A key piece of geography.
1: Yeah. Today we have maybe 40 people in our San Francisco office. So obviously we're not going to project a significant presence in San Francisco the way that
0: we can with out-of-home advertising. Now, is it, is it just the physical nature of out-of-home that does that for you?
1: You know, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. And, it, and by the way, I should say that our out-of-home investments have not been in isolation, as you might imagine. It's sure. been part of an integrated campaign that includes digital investments and uh, geo-targeting and in account-based marketing, ground game, and other things to really maximize uh, the sort of exposure that we're getting out of of out-of-home, but also taking advantage of other touch points to reach our target buyers in those markets. So I think physical presence is certainly part of it. One attribute of our brand that I think translates so well to out-of-home is our color. Our brand color is pink. It's a very, very bold choice for a brand, sort of distinctive in some ways polarizing But it has tremendous stopping power and using it in its sort of fully saturated, full bleed expression has pretty remarkable effect at that scale.
0: There's no doubt when your campaign was running, you owned the color pink for a period of time in in the city. There was this level of, I don't know what what I could call it, street equity, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, Um, I like it. I like it. You know, pink was you and pink was Pendo. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. You, you, you said this was an integrated effort with, with other channels happening. Do you see out-of-home as the, the catalyst for that? Do they put top, does out-of-home put topspin on what you're doing? Like how does it fit in your media mix with the other tactics? It really
1: depends on the campaign that we're running and how we're utilizing it. In our first investment, we have done three waves of investment out-of-home in the Bay Area in our first wave, we were a smaller company at the time. This was um, a couple of years ago, and uh, this was pre-Series D. So it was right before we raised our Series D round, and we knew that there would be some publicity that came with that fundraising news. So we used this as a way to, A, make a very bold statement in the San Francisco market. We invested more heavily in that first wave. So we had, I believe, three out-of-home billboards on one We did. Uh, multiple wallscapes downtown, and then we did a takeover of a transit shelter network. Then we paired it with a digital takeover, which was uh, account and title targeted with, within that geography. And we, I described it as sort of saturate and surround. It was mm-hmm. whether you're online or offline, Pendo is there for a bounded period of time. And then the punctuation was the fundraising news. So all of that came together, visible effect around that campaign. In subsequent campaigns, we scaled back out of home and used it in a, in a much more targeted way as uh, maybe an adjunct to other things that were running more aggressively. But in this case, I think it was the foundation more than the top spin.
0: It's interesting how you used out of home both surgically, right? Very, very specific locations, very much about geography, and then also, as almost a consumer package good brand, in a way, just to create that mass awareness, to as you said, seed what was happening down the road, as you were orchestrating this communication campaign, all leading up to the publicity for your Series D. You got it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, and, and and we see that with with other beauty brew brands in certain uh, ways. Like, I know that we've done similar efforts in Austin and Boston and other tech markets. Have you looked at other markets in a similar way? We've considered it. Honestly, out of home is a pretty small slice of our marketing
1: mix. Um, we have other uh, channels uh, and venues that we invest aggressively in. Out of home, we love. And we, we've had some pretty promising initial results from out of home. But frankly, outside of San Francisco, given who we're targeting and our goals and objectives, that's where we ought to be today. I'm sure over time, we will continue to um, explore other markets where we could do the same sort of thing, but there's something about that market that's pretty unique to uh, what we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, definitely. The concentration of inventory and people, the pedestrian element, yeah, uh, all of that. And then you've got the spinal cord of the 101 mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is, is really, uh, you know, the living room for the tech sector in many, many ways. You bet. It, you know, when you think of out-of-home and, you know, you bring it to your CEO and, and your, your leadership team and you say, okay, we're going to invest in this and this is going to be part of our mix. What does out-of-home do for you that just others can't do? Well, I think that beyond, you know, the reach within that
1: the target-rich market, I think there's, there's a boldness to it. And this was particularly true pre-Series D when, as I said, we were a much smaller company and probably less well-known there was just an unexpected boldness to it. I think part of that was the appeal of this strategy. Is it was a big swing. It was, it was essentially you know a, a relatively unknown company within that market doing something that, that was that visible and and that ambitious. Um, really spoke to a level of ambition around you know what we see as the opportunity and and caused com- caused people I think to uh, to notice us maybe for the first time and. And that set in motion a series of campaigns that we've executed, many of which have featured out of home, that have continued to sort of tell the Pendo story and expand that narrative and and hopefully deeper deepen engagement with the audiences that we're looking to reach yeah it definitely
0: creates that statement, right? We're here, we exist, we're for real, we're not leaving. You bet you know that that implication you know I, I want to switch a little bit to to what this meant to your customers, like the customer feedback you got. You know, on a previous episode of this podcast, I spoke with someone and he brought up this idea of concurrence, where, you know, in a piece of geography, when there's an out-of-home campaign on the streets and it stands out, you have this effect of concurrence where everybody sees it at the same time together. Mm -hmm. And there's some sort of strength in that. There's some sort of uniqueness in that. So I noticed in your campaign video for Paint the Town Pink, one of the key components of how you edited that was to show all the different corporate headquarters that were in that geography that were either your existing clients or my guess is you might even be targeting. Mm-hmm. And can you speak to that? How did they respond to you? I mean, what kind of feedback did you get from your your client base there and your prospects there? It was tremendous. I love that concept of concurrence,
1: and that's—I uh, wouldn't have put that that word to it. And I think it's it's really perfect but that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like we were um, part of a community. And that's often what it feels like with our customers, frankly, because we're on sort of a journey together around the transformation of a role and the elevation of a product as a as a contributor to how companies build and sustain competitive advantage. So, it it has felt like we're part of a community on a journey together. And I'd say that only more so in the weeks and months that we've executed those out-of-home campaigns, particularly that first one.
0: It felt like a tipping point. It's that statement, you know, the um, anchor and ripple effect, you might call it. And we've seen that many times in this sector. You know, were you able to put any direct uh, ROI against it? I mean, I I know that there was a uh, attribution study done that showed some good connection between the exposures and some online activity, but I mean, just bluntly, how did this impact your sales efforts?
1: Yeah, it positively. I think that there's a level of false precision that you can apply to measuring out of home effectiveness um, sure sure and, and and we didn't attempt to do that, but we did look at various correlative measures like uh, regional uh, inbound web traffic and inbound demo requests and uh, sales cycle velocity and 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 then c- certainly the sort of anecdotal chatter that we we saw quite a bit during that period so you know, I would, I would think of it as more of an influence and correlative measure than, than anything that's more causal and uh, direct source. The a- attribution study that we did was interesting, but in my, in my opinion, inconclusive, and I don't think it's the way that you justify this sort of investment.
0: Sure. I've, I've, I've had feedback from, from other folks who say they really think out of homes should lo- be looked at as something that creates the influence, creates the positive brand sentiment. If we could measure that and how it impacts the rest of your mix... That might be more of an accurate way of, of defining its value in the in the overall integrated media approach. Is, is is that what you're saying? Yeah, very much so.
1: And I I would also say that in terms of the level of spend uh, in this campaign and each of these individual campaigns or even collectively, we're talking small potatoes relative to um, a large global B two C brand and how they may deploy against this medium. So. You know, it really didn't, wasn't a level of investment to justify a pre- and post-awareness or perception study. If we were going in bigger on out of home, that's something we would have considered. But we knew exactly what we were getting into and for what, and for what reasons. And understanding just the more correlative measures was certainly sufficient for
0: us. Good, good. I, I think, uh, you know, that's well put and it, it speaks to just expectations, right? And yep. understanding the role of everything in the mix. You know, one one thing I wanted to to ask about, and it's it's curious to me, as a cloud-based product, as a a tech product, your campaign for the most part, I think all of it was static out of home, right? It was printed out of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, that's a. It's interesting to see somebody from the tech world go into the printed out of home space and not just automatically say, well, whatever we have to do is digital. We want to have multiple levels of messaging. We want to tr- try to create some level of interaction. Can you yeah. speak to that decision a little bit? Well, digital belongs in the digital medium. And
1: I certainly, we could have experimented with digital and physical. That was not the choice we made. We decided that less was more. Pink does a lot of the heavy lifting, in our opinion. We wanted the message to be uh, simple, uh, crisp, galvanizing, and, and allow our, our brand color and, and a really sharp message to do the, the lift offline. And then using digital as a way to augment that in a very targeted way that only amplifies the sort of impression that we're making in the physical world.
0: Can you speak a little bit to how you did that, how you had digital amplify what was happening in the physical world? Was it flighted? Uh, was it the exact same messaging? Was it all about the pink? If you can give some insight into that. Yeah,
1: it was mirror image messaging and it was very heavy on the pink. So it was essentially everything you saw in the billboards you saw in digital. Of course, um, within that DMA, it's not something we could we could match the the level of reach, but we could be very very targeted with respect to target accounts within within that geography, target titles again to create this impression that Pendo is everywhere through what feels like a saturated saturate and surround for the sort of audiences that we're looking to reach and influence.
0: No doubt, abundance, right? Abundance. I, I want to thank you for your time, Jake. I want to thank you for the discussion and sharing with us. Thank you for your investment in the medium. And we will sign off. So heads up, everybody out there in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Rick.